0: Hello, and welcome to Not About Us, as we dive deeper into chapter 1, verse 10, in this ongoing Bible study of Revelation. Now, after the last study, the stage has been set. We know who is having the Revelation, John, and where he is having the Revelation, Patmos, and maybe now we even understand how he got where he was and the reason why he was there specifically. But now, it's time to really get in deep with John here. Today is the beginning of some awesome stuff, including the voice like a trumpet that will speak to John and us very soon. As always, I am Brad. And I am Scott.
1: And this is Not About Us.
0: Okay, before we get in deep with John, I must first admit to something. With all the stuff that's been going on in the world right now, I think I needed this study more than you did. Now, all of my studies, I want to be, uh, they're my studies, but I want them to have good stuff for you. But this time, it was this one was kind of more for me. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking there's still going to be a lot of good fruit in here for you. But I needed this. Um, even though we are sitting down to record this on January 15, 2021, I originally started getting ready for this study last Thursday and Friday, which was only a couple days after the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. Now, honestly, I was not in a good place when I started this study. I always start my studies with a prayer, But that night, my prayer started a little different than normal. Usually, I ask God to help me find the things he wishes me to see so I can share that with you, the listeners, with Scott. But this time, I started asking God to show me the things I need to see for myself, to show me the things that will help me drift back to him because, like I said, I was not really in a good place, and I felt like I had drifted away a little bit. I was incredibly sad about what had been happening in my country, and it was difficult to come to the conclusion that I did that democracy in my country is it's pretty much dead, and it seems like violence is the new norm. I'm not going to go political here, but the things that have been happening the last several months, and pretty much all of last year and last several decades, I think they're finally starting to take a toll on me, and my heart was breaking you're not the only one and i do these studies and i tell you that you know tribulation and pressure and all of these kind of things but keep your eyes on god because he's bigger than all of it and and even when you think that the situation is impossible (laughs) and here i was starting to feel like man this is an impossible situation there's no way out I got to admit, I'm feeling a little guilty right now having to admit this to you. Self-convicting right now, um, but I didn't do the right thing at first. I didn't take all of this to God. I tried to handle my emotions on my own, and if I explain one thing correctly in these studies, I hope it is this that I am saying right now. You do not need to handle anything on your own. God is so much better at handling all of this and so much better at it than we are. You do not have to go through anything alone. He is with you, and, and he's with me and right now. He's with Scott right now. And he was with me that night once I finally remembered that. That is why my prayer was a little selfish. I, I asked God to help me find the things I need to see to help me remember all the things I'm trying to tell you now. Help me not drift away but instead drift back to him. Now, all of that being said, I felt such a peace come over me when I was done praying and started typing this up. I needed that refreshing. And it was not long into the study that I started to feel all the amazement and joy that I normally have when I do my studies. And I also made a connection. Soon it's going to describe the voice of Jesus as a, a trumpet. Later in Uh, Revelation, it'll say, as mighty waters, many waters. I'll explain more later in this study, but I found that to be a reassuring reminder that no matter how loud things might get in the world, when God wants to be heard, he will be heard. And I felt so much better remembering that God wants me to hear him. And even if I felt like I had drifted away, God can still be heard. His voice is strong and powerful, and it demands to be heard. And he is calling for me he's calling for you too so even though i needed this study probably more than you did i do think it's going to bring forth some good fruit to share with all of you so let's get started the right way and the best way uh that you know the best way we always do here and not about us scott will you please start this conversation off with prayer invitation and get the right spirit in here
1: absolutely Yahweh Father God Yeshua HaMashiach Holy Spirit you are blessed you are holy you are perfect you are righteous you are Almighty God and there is none like you there is none that can compare to you hallelujah God my prayer is right now for myself for brad for everyone listening that that be made real to us in a way that we cannot shake in a way that we cannot let go of in a way that we cannot deny no matter how the world try to tear that apart from us you and you alone our almighty God. And no matter what the enemy does, he can never replace you as almighty God. He can never, he can not only never defeat you, but he can never defeat you in our lives if we don't surrender that. So that is why my prayer is make that real to each of us that you are king you are the creator the victor the, the everything and all else is deception all that does not point us to you is deception and hollow and deserves to be ignored and thrown away Yahweh God, I thank you that in your awesome power and might you chose to value and love us and that right now you are still wooing and you are still calling and as the world grows darker then your light will grow as well until it finally annihilates the darkness altogether we thank you for ultimate victory as we surrender at your feet and just allow ourselves to be wrapped up in your loving arms of protection death where is thy sting hallelujah and amen
0: amen so be it thank you scott Okay, I'm going to read to you verse 10. This is uh, King James Version. Remember, John just set the stage, and now he tells us what's going to happen here. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And that's what we're studying today. We're not going to go uh, any farther than that. Um, I make my jokes about (laughs) not getting past one verse, but they just keep bringing a lot of fruit when I'm looking into them. But I gotta say, Scott, I'm excited for this one. Uh, there's going to be some stuff in here that's a little more personal, and that's always nerve-wracking, putting yourself out there, but I am excited for this one, uh, for this alone, Voice as of a Trumpet. Uh, We got a little bit before we get there So um, in the meantime I did investigate some other You (laughs) can't do that to us Man Yes I can Uh, (laughs) All right. First though (laughs) I investigated some of these other words And I have some thoughts that I want to share And I think they're pretty good too Um, The first word I investigated was spirit So I was in the spirit On the Lord's day Uh, This is um, Strong's Concordance 4151 Uh, Of course, this is uh, Greek, using the King James Version here. And it's uh, penyuma, penyuma. And the definition is wind or spirit. Its usage is wind, breath, spirit. And it actually has a note here. And I knew this, um, um, but I, I put the note in here, and I meant to, even before I saw this, to look into the Hebrew for ruach, But uh, the Hebrew counterpart Ruach has the same range of meaning as this. So basically it's going to be the same, wind, breath, spirit. Um, The word study just says spirit, ghost. Now, it also suggests that it can be a current of air, a breath, a blast, or a breeze. Um, Figuratively, it's the spirit. Um, It's the rational soul. It's mental disposition, etc., it can be superhuman, an angel, a demon. It can be divine, God. It can be Christ, spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So you're getting the idea here. Um, the Hebrew is Strong's Concordance. In the Hebrew, 7308, and it's Ruach. And uh, yeah, same kind of idea. It's wind, spirit, um, and, and breath, and... And so here are my thoughts. First, it mentions that it means wind and breath. Now, at least to me anyway, I thought of a few concepts about that that I I think are pretty cool. As we know, Yahweh breathed his spirit into us and gave us life. If you take a breath with me right now, breathe in and out, you can thank God for giving you his spirit and for giving you that breath. And for your very life. Every breath you take is a reminder of what God has done for us. I imagine Adam taking his very first breath and becoming aware
1: of being alive. You know, I I hate to stop you in the middle of that, but that just made something so real to me right now. Because um, I've often wondered why we need to breathe. And 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 bear with me on this. I mean, it's like, I mean, God doesn't have to. Why did he make us that way? That one breath could end your life. I was like, you know, God can, you know what I mean? He's God. He doesn't need to breathe. Why did he give us the requirement of breathing? And you just made it more real to me than I've ever thought of before.
0: I also just saw a connection um, to a note that I make much later in this study. But uh, much later in this study, I'm going to talk about the voice coming from behind uh, John. And I found a reference that when something comes from behind, it's putting emphasis on remembering the things that God has done for us in the past. Uh huh. So every breath that you take, is a reminder of every other breath that you've taken, every other, every other thing that God has, has, has done for you. Um, and you can take comfort in the fact that you know your next breath will come so you know that the continuing gifts of God are coming. Um, that Like I said, totally my thought, but I thought that was a cool uh, concept. Um. I and like I said, I imagine Adam taking the very first breath any human ever took, and then it just continuing down the line from there. When I when I was younger, I uh, they they put out these books, and if you were born, I was born in 1985, so you could go and you could get this birthday book. And it would give you an average of how many breaths you've taken, how many, how many gallons of blood you've pumped, how many times you've blinked your eyes. Of course, it's not accurate, but it's an, an estimate average. Right. And that just fascinated me. And I remember thinking as a young kid when I saw that, that already like some of those things were in the hundreds of thousands. And I'm like... I've breathed in and out that many times. What will it be like when I'm in heaven? Will I be able to go, God, how many times did I breathe in and out? That was a young man thought, a very young boy thought. But still, it's like he'll he'll know. Uh (laughs) He will know how many times exactly, not an estimate, not a guess, he can say, Brad, you did da-da-da-da-da and a half. A half, <laughs> right. You know, because maybe there was one time I didn't take a full breath. You, you get the idea. But just, I just thought that was when I was a kid, that, that concept fascinated me. And I find it interesting that it's still fascinating me now, just in a different way, thinking about Adam uh, and, and then every human afterwards, just the cycle of breathing in and uh-huh. out the memories of everything
1: that God has done for us. But I'm seeing it now, even just as a, as a physical representation and a constant reminder of the Spirit indwelling us, and and that I just, just wow. I'll I'll just let that go. Boy, that wasn't
0: even my big stuff. I hope I hope <laughs> the things that I think are big are going to be big. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> it also states here. Um, Actually real quick, let me go back here I, I mentioned Adam, but I also imagined the moment right now of of John uh, John right now in prayer, being in the spirit, taking deep breaths in and out and when that voice came, just did did he lose his breath <laughs> was it was it you know i i assume something like this was normal for him that he would this was his refreshing um uh, i don't know totally what the situation was i don't know if there were other uh people banished with him was he alone um you know i don't know all of that that kind of information but i kind of feel like this was his refreshing uh he'd get away he'd be in the spirit he'd be in prayer he'd be remembering his messiah his savior his best friend the love of his life taking these deep breaths in and out and here very soon he's going to hear hear that voice that he's been longing to hear Uh, and it's it's a little different now um which we'll get to but anyway so when it states that uh, uh, john was in the spirit here i had this other crazy idea because this can also mean wind this remember this is just my thinking. This is not. This is just my crazy ideas. But if you reread the verse and replace spirit with wind, you get I was in the wind on the Lord's day. The word study also suggests a current of air with superhuman qualities. So the pa- the picture I'm trying to paint here, um, that I'm that I'm trying to explain, John kneeling in prayer, breathing in and out. Each breath a testament to the God he loves and his spirit now free and like the wind. Think about wind and how it moves and it travels. It's invisible to our eyes. It can be a cooling breeze or it can be a raging force of God. It's always on the move, it travels from place to place. I was in the <clears throat> I was in the wind on the Lord's day. When he was given the revelation, he was taken from place to place. He was taken into the future. He saw things he could never imagine. He was taken to the throne of God. He saw the earth from the perspective of God. He saw God's heavenly body and the creatures around the throne. I'm not trying to suggest this is exactly what happened, but I just want to paint the picture of what I was seeing here. John, like the wind does, moving and drifting from place to place as he sees the the elements of the prophecy, seeing things beyond his uh, his conception and all because God breathed life into us. That's a cool thought. Also makes me wonder if this is kind of like when our when we have our perfected bodies and those kind of things. Uh, Jesus could be in; he could be solid. He could be; he could walk through; uh, he could walk right through um, walls. We know this because he he entered a locked room. Uh, it makes me wonder if when our bodies are perfected, will we be like? the Spirit, but will we be like wind? Can we drift from place to place in and out of solid, you know, I, it, it, we can go crazy with that, but um, just, just, I thought it was fascinating. Now, right here at this point, John is going to, he, he's, he's, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I'm going to talk about the Lord's Day in a moment, but, but right here at this point, he's so close to hearing the voice of his best friend. And I just find it, very interesting. The week, that I, uh, the week that I was really looking into this spot, studying this spot, I stumbled across something I thought was beautiful. It was called The Ballads of Revelation. It's from Frontier Alliance International. They have an app you can get on your phone or on Roku if you have that. I would highly suggest you check them out. Um... They also have Revelation study as well, and some other studies and other projects and all sorts of cool stuff. They had beautiful music associated with this Ballads of the Revelation movie. But anyway, back to stumbling across something beautiful. While watching the Ballads of the Revelation, I noticed something. They have a scene that is used every so often in a way of transitioning from different ballads or ideas and the scene is basically just John resting on the chest of Jesus. You get the idea, it's at the supper, but um, he's, he, he, he's got his ear right up to his chest. Now, this is mentioned in Scripture. John, the beloved disciple, rested on the chest of Jesus. John loved his Savior, and he wanted to be close to him I've mentioned this as an example in previous podcasts as the kind of relationship we should strive for. A few days before I saw this scene, my wife wanted me to lay my head on her chest. When I did, what could I hear? I could hear her heartbeat. I could hear her lungs filling with air, and I could hear her breathing out. The spirit that we just talked about, the wind, When I watched this scene in the ballads of the Revelation, I was immediately reminded of the experience with my wife a few days before, and an overwhelming thought came to me and brought me to tears. Imagine what it would be like to lay on the chest of Jesus and hear his heartbeat. Imagine hearing him breathing in and out, just like we did a moment ago. Breathing in and out, but this is God, the very breath that gave you life, breathing in and out. Now listen to his heartbeat, the heartbeat of the man who would give everything for you, the heartbeat of the one who loves you more than comprehension And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, we pierced it. Our transgressions pierced his heart. Sorry, I I thought I had moved past this. But imagine it. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I want to... uh, I want to go ahead and talk about the Lord's Day now. Um, And the interesting thing about the way it's said here, uh, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Uh, This is the only time in Scripture that the phrase, the Lord's Lord's Day, is said this way. And there is some debate about what that means. Um, Other times in Scripture, there is mention of the Day of the Lord. And that is, agreed to, that is pretty much agreed to mean that the day in some future time when God declares the day of judgment and salvation, what is coming up to talk about in future podcasts that is a revelation. Now, since there is debate about what the Lord's day can mean, I'm going to give you all of the ideas that I know about. Now, first, some people suggest this means that John was in the Spirit on Sunday, the first day of the week the day that christians have set aside to worship jesus this is possible because there is evidence to suggest that in the first century christians did start meeting on the first day of the week to worship and remember the lord's resurrection however it does not state anywhere in scripture that the lord's day equals sunday i saw some things that on the internet that suggested that christians started celebrating the sabbath on Sundays, and that's what this is referring to, the Christian Sabbath. But I personally don't understand that because the Sabbath was meant to rest from the work of the week on the last day of the week, Saturday. So the Christians can worship on Sunday all they want because we should be worshiping God every single day. Um, I would argue every single moment we can. But the Lord's Sabbath and this Christian Sabbath, to me, are not really the same thing. I looked at Strong's Concordance to see if there was any clue that says this means Sunday or whatever it could possibly mean. It's Strong's Concordance for the word day that is used here is uh, 2250. And it's Hamarah, And the definition is day. The usage is a day, the period from sunrise to sunset at first this definition of the word day used here in the greek kind of annoyed me because this is the opposite of the hebrew day the hebrew day is from sunset to sunset the next day you know like genesis says there was evening and morning one day so i investigated the hebrew word for day it is strong's concordance in the hebrew number three one one seven and it's yom, and the definition is day. But there was a lot of possible definitions for this word related to time and days, but there was just one that really kind of stuck out to me here, and it was to be hot, a day, as in the warm hours of the day. Okay, I gotta admit, that sounds more like the Greek day of sunrise to sunset. So I guess I should not have been annoyed, (laughs) lesson (laughs) learned. (laughs) But what really stuck out to me here is to be hot in the warm hours of the day. To me, that sounds more like the day of the Lord. That sounds like wrath, to be hot. When you get upset, we often will say, you need to go cool off. You need to cool down because we're getting hot. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) In fact, (laughs) this is a little off track, but I, I, I love this. I loved this guy and I love this story, so I'm telling you, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, I worked for a non-profit for a few years, and specifically, I worked with individuals with intellectual disorders. And I had my my all-time favorite client um, that I worked with occasionally would get himself worked up and he would have to go cool down. Now, the way he would get worked up was, from our perspective, uh, kind of funny because he, he in his in his view of the world like things on the tv if there were people on the tv they were a part of our group they were with us he couldn't he didn't understand that they were on tv in a separate place filmed long ago or whatever he thought they were right in the room with them and there was a commercial at the time for car insurance i believe and I guess I can't remember exactly. I think they named the car Brad. And my name is Brad. And he used to get so offended when this commercial would come on. And he would say, he'd say, where are you? Some sort of dingbat? Brad's right over there. He's not over there. And he would insult people with things like dingbat. He'd sometimes call you cheeseburger. Um, you know, not, so not, not actually terrible things at all. Just, just his personality. that was funny. Um, so sometimes it would be, you cheeseburger, Brad's right over there. He's not over there. You know, he would just, uh, <laughs> Brad's not a car. He, he's he's right over here, you know. But anyway, one of these days, he got so worked up, uh, and I don't remember why. It could have been the commercial. It could have been something. But he got so worked up, and he told me he needed to cool go cool down. And at the time, I thought that meant he was going to go take his time out. Because when he needed to cool down, he would go to his room and he had a reclining chair in the middle of his room and he would just sit in his chair for like two minutes and then he would be calmed down and come back out. Well, one day, it's been more than several minutes, and uh, I, I go and I kind of peek into the room and he's making agitated noises like he's like it's not really working for him. But I decided to give him a few more moments. And after a while, he calls for me, Brad! And I come in and I go, what's wrong? He's like, I can't cool down. And I'm like, well, why not? Ceiling fan's not on. (laughs) I could not help but do what you just did and laugh. Because I never really thought about it from his perspective. He literally went to cool down. And I always just thought it was a phrase. (laughs) But anyway, that's got me thinking. Uh, Some translations of Genesis uh, 3.8 say that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. My Institute for Scripture Research translation says the wind of the day. This may or may not be a good comparison, but it worked for me, so we're going to go with it. Did the first time Jesus come to us, was it the cool of the day? The wind of the day, like we talked about earlier, a gentle breeze traveling from place to place. But the next time he is coming, will it be in the heat of the day? Huh. Is he coming yeah. with judgment and salvation? Is it going to get hot? You know, that, once again, my thoughts. But still, I, I found that to be an interesting idea, comparison, whatever you want to call that. Uh, the 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 second idea about the Lord's Day I discovered is that in certain Aramaic translation this says the majestic day, which gives it a little different meaning. The English definition of majestic says having or showing impressive beauty or dignity. To me, someone who is longing for my Savior's return. That also sounds more like the day of the Lord, majestic, having impressive beauty and dignity. I personally think that, like most things with God, there is more meaning here than just one 24-hour period. I think this is John's way of saying he was in the time of Revelation. He was at the Lord's day, The the you know— um, and we know that to God, time can be different than how we experience it. So not necessarily, I don't know if this is just trying to reference one 24-hour day, but one thing that's going to cement it to me, maybe not to you because you didn't have this personal experience, but this was interesting. I was researching the Lord's day, and I was using my phone camera and Google Translate because I was reading a Hebrew translation of Revelation to do this. And of course it doesn't say the Lord's day, it states Yahweh's day. But when I was translating Yahweh's name, the app it, you use a camera and the camera uh, finds the word and cha- literally translates it into English for you. But it was only translating the part of his name that says he will be or he will be he will he will come, he will be. Um, so I was getting, he will be day. So he was, he is, he will be day. When I think of he will be, I think of, uh, the, the coming again, the, the, the future point of his coming, that aspect of who he is. So to me, (laughs) I, I, once again, I cannot, I cannot, uh, Uh, cement you to this idea that this is exactly what that's saying. Um, I cannot lead you down that path without making sure you know that I cannot stand on it as perfect truth. And ultimately, this is one of those times in Scripture where it could just be John does not elaborate because his first century audience would know exactly what he was referring to when he said, the Lord's day. Any thoughts on
1: that? No, um... Well I agree with that last statement uh, I think a lot of times they just They didn't have to specify Because they knew what they were talking about We've lost the meaning The idiom The, the whatever uh, we, we don't live there anymore We don't live in that world We sometimes Exactly what he was referring to In that sense Is lost That being said I think God knew uh when we were reading it two thousand years later, what we were going to interpret, and there's value in that as well. And no, I, I like there's so many little pieces of this that I've never thought of before. Um there is value to going back and finding out what what did his audience think that he meant right. by the Lord's Day. But but just this whole, everything you've you've brought up here about the wind that I've talked about earlier, the breath, uh, uh, this last end, you know, he will, and you know, day, you know, it's like all that started to make me think, you know, it, in in Yahweh's day, in the Lord's day, in the definition, a piece of it, it's very clearly says, and and he and he was praying. In the it will be done someday day, you know, I, you can think of it that way. Yeah, is is what Revelation means. He was he was in the spirit on a future day. I mean, you can say it's it's there's a code hidden in that that says you know you know he was in the spirit in the it will be at some point day. You know, uh th- that was blowing my mind just now. I. You're right. There's so much to this and and so much we haven't touched on yet.
0: Yeah. I I sometimes worry that I won't have, when people listen to my studies, they won't have, oh my gosh, yes, that's perfect truth. I can stand on that and say, because a lot of this is me also trying to figure out what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And some of these thoughts are very, I, I don't know, but this is what I'm seeing mm-hmm. um, from the life that I've lived from my perspective, from being an emotional creature, from, you know, know, from that's how I observe my world, is what's the emotion of the situation. So I apologize to the listeners if, um, you know, you're hoping for concrete, this is exactly what it is. You may not ever get that with me. (laughs) So I do apologize, but uh, but that's who I am. And I hope, I, I do hope that from this, though, we're doing exactly what the ultimate goal of all of this was, is we're getting you piqued and interested to, to investigate yourself, too. Um, because what could be truth to me may not necessarily be truth to you, and both versions could be correct, which is fascinating with Scripture and God. But anyway, <clears throat> all right. John, he's in the Spirit on Yahweh's day, and now the verse continues. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So first, I wanted to investigate the word "heard" and its Strong's concordance one nine one, and it's ak. Mm. <laughs> it's akoo, I believe. The way that the way that it, the the phonetic spelling tried to to show this to me, it's almost like two little eyeballs are looking at me here in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like well, it's like how do you pronounce two eyeballs? because <laughs> well, because it, because it's it's two O's, and underneath of it, my spell check is trying to say this is misspelled. So it's like it's got like a little mustache, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then there's a apostrophe apostrophe that could be an ear or something. Anyway, wow. <laughs> Might edit that out. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's uh, (laughs) the definition is to hear, listen. Its usage I hear, listen, comprehend by hearing, is heard, reported. I found this interesting. Um, Some of the word study helpers here. uh, Properly, this is to hear, listen. Figuratively, to hear God's voice, which prompts him as in God, to hear God's voice, which prompts him to birth faith within. To hear God's voice, which prompts him to birth faith within. Uh, To look more into that, it says, see Strong's Concordance 189, and that's ak-o-e. And the definition is hearing, the sense of hearing, usage, hearing, the faculty of hearing, Ear, Report, Rumor. But the word study here, the word study helper, properly, once again, hearing. But it's use, use of inner spiritual hearing that goes with receiving faith from God, i.e. spiritual hearing, discerning God's voice. So here it mentions use of inner spiritual hearing that goes with receiving faith from God and using spiritual hearing to discern God's voice. Right now, God is speaking to you and to Scott and to Stabler the Cat and to me, uh, but the goal for us is to really hear him by using our spiritual hearing. But Brad, how do I do that, you ask? Actually, I don't know if you asked that or not, because you were not hearing this while I'm recording this. So I'm just assuming that is what you said at some future point when this was uploaded and you listened to it up to this point and got to right here and asked me that question. Anyway, good question.
1: (laughs) Maybe I should ask it right now. No, go on, go on.
0: Um, I have a few verses that I think might help explain. The first explains how you can hear the voice of God. This is the Passion Translation. It's John 10, 3 through 5. I said 3 through 5, and that looks like a 2 to me. (laughs) So actually, this is John 10, 2 through 5. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him, for they are
1: familiar with his voice. I got to tell you, um, I heard a story about this one time that elaborates on that. Um, uh, someone that I knew had gone to Israel you know, to take a, a tour of the country kind of thing, walk where God walked, all that type of thing. And they said they were down by a lake, down by a pond, where, uh, um, where the, the sheep would come to drink. And they said several shepherds from, from different, different areas, different people, brought their flocks to drink. And all the sheep just mixed together. And all he could think of was, oh no, how are they going to sort this out? And when the time come for to leave, when everyone was done, each shepherd just started walking away and singing a song. And the sheep of that shepherd just followed. And this, this mix of sheep just all separated and followed their shepherd. Whoa. Because they knew his voice. That's cool. And it just it's I've always thought of that story when when that verse is brought up or, or that, that type of thing.
0: Oh, that is awesome. Now, what I think this verse shows, if you want to hear God, you must learn first to become familiar with his voice. Then you will have no doubts when he is talking to you and what he wants you to do. When he wants you to follow him. To learn his voice, I believe you must start by learning how he communicates. He communicates with us in many ways, but the biggest way is through His Spirit into your spirit. I think one of the biggest barriers from hearing and seeing the Spirit move in our lives is what I have now mentioned in many of these podcasts. There are too many distractions in our lives. The world is shouting at us. Mm -hmm. I say this to encourage, but please understand, I have my own work to do on this as well. We must quiet our surroundings, and we need to spend more time with our Savior learning to recognize his precious voice.
1: Otherwise, amen, amen to that.
0: <laughs> otherwise it'll be like the next verse I found um, that I'm going to share with you. Also, the Passion Translation, John eight forty seven. Jesus, this is not the passage. I'm just setting this up. Jesus is rebuking Jewish leaders who are plotting his death and has already explained some extremely hard truth to them, but I think this part here is important to my study topic here. If you really knew God, you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you don't belong to him, and you have no room for him in your hearts. Jesus could be tough sometimes, <laughs> and this is, this is tough truth right here. If you can't hear the voice of God, you need to think about, uh, uh, about what that might mean. If you really knew him, listened, received, and responded with faith to his words, then you know he's calling to you. If you're not doing that, then you may not have room in your heart for him. And that thought scares me. Do not, do not get caught up in the trap of thinking you are godly, but you do not actually know this voice of God. Scripture, of course, is one of the greatest resources to understand God's character, which will be a big help in familiarizing yourself with his voice. Okay, right here I have a note to myself that says update because this happened today. Everything I've said so far, I had typed up a week ago, uh, throughout the week, last night, finishing up this study, all that kind of stuff, but then something happened to me today that I'm going to share with you. I do believe that by sharing this, it's going to help our listeners, or at least it's going to help Scott and I, but I think it's going to help us understand how we recognize God's voice in dreams how we can recognize his voice in dreams. This morning, we had blizzard-like conditions. I have Fridays off and my wife does not. So earlier than I would normally get up, I got up to shovel the drive to make it easier for her to start her trip to work. When I was done and had said goodbye to my wife, I went inside and laid down on a reclining chair I was still sleepy from getting up earlier than normal, and because I had stayed awake last night uh, working on this study, I watched some YouTube videos to distract myself for a little while because I wanted to stay awake to get the text message from my wife that she had made it safely to work, and then I thought I might nap for an hour or so. I got the message she made it to work, so I closed my eyes and I tried to drift to sleep. It did not happen, and I realized that I was more concerned about missing something from the YouTube video that was playing, so I paused the video and I tried again. Just before drifting off, I thought to myself, you know, it would be cool if I had a God dream because it had been a while since I felt like I'd had one. I then rebuked that idea, and I rebuked myself because I thought, man, don't be selfish. But, nonetheless, I had a dream. In the dream, my wife and I are in our bedroom and we hear someone shoveling our driveway. I look out the window and there's this older woman shoveling our driveway. I open the window and I say to her, hey, 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 it's okay, you don't have to do that, I'm going to. She looks up at me and at first seems a little embarrassed. I see on her face that she decides, in in a dream, you, you can pick up on ideas, emotions, and I see on her face that she decides to admit to me what is actually happening here. She says, I'm blind, and I was filling your house, I felt the outside of your house, and it was the same design as mine. So I thought I was shoveling my driveway. I now become very concerned for her and I tell my wife I need to help her find her way home. I meet her outside, and we start to walk down my street to find the house with the same design as mine. We get to the end of the block, and we turn down a side street, and because the way dreams work, we are now inside some major building complex with very wide walls, very, uh, or very wide hallways, um, kind of a massive place. It doesn't seem strange to us that this, has, that this happened. In fact, in my memory of the dream, I do think the woman had been changing too. She's not the same woman from the beginning of the dream. The woman starts to kind of stumble and is losing her, her balance, and so I ask her if I can take her arm to, to lead her through the next part of our search. She agrees, and I take her down these large hallways, And eventually, we come to a large stairwell. I place her hands on the rail and confess that I have no idea where I am going or what I am doing. So I'm going to look around and see if I can find the best way to go forward. And I remember I put her hands on the railing because I was concerned for her losing her balance. I wanted her to be stable. Now I leave her there and I backtrack a little. I do not, in in the dream, I realize I do not want to forget how to get back to her, so I'm not planning on going too far away. I walk down a side hallway that we had passed, and I investigate a room with an older man. I think about asking the older man if he knows the way. But he seems confused, and before I can even say anything to him, I hear someone further down the hall, and I look to see a younger man, and I immediately judge him to be a criminal. I do not judge him in a negative way, though. I just know that this man has done criminal things, and I need to be on guard around him, but I don't need to be standoffish. I follow the man into another room, and he admits to me that he does not know how to get home either. I explain to him that I am trying to help someone get home, and I do not even have any good ideas to help her. I say I would like to help you too, but I can't even help her. The man says I should give him my cell phone, and he will put it on his charger, and that will help us find the way home. I'm hesitant to do this because he is a criminal, and I'm almost certain he wants to take my phone, and this is some sort of con. Nonetheless, I give him my phone, but inside my head, I'm still contemplating if that was a good idea or not. He puts my phone on the charger and immediately says it's ready. I quickly go to grab it, look at it quickly, not in a way that I want to make him feel uncomfortable, but I want to make sure it's still my phone, and it seems to me that it is. It's at this point that I start to get really worried about the other woman. So I explained to this man, I will return, but I have to go help her first. I have to help her find her way back home, and I promise I will return to help you too. And in my mind, I do mean to do this. I'm happy because I remember my way back to the woman, and I'm excited to report to her that I now have the answer. My phone will have directions to her home. I can bring up a map on my phone and... and and then suddenly, as I'm explaining this, I become aware that the young man is with us now, too. Even though I said I would come back for him, I'm happy that he is here. And I wonder to myself, why did I not just ask him to come with me in the first place? I can get them both home with the help of my phone. I look back at my phone, but it's no longer my phone. It's a brand new And it still has that that sticker on it that protects the screen. And so I start to peel that off. But as I'm doing that, as I'm peeling the sticker, the phone changes in my hand. And it becomes, this is really hard to explain, but it becomes some strange metal object. And it's made up of, like, different shapes. And I, I, I have an idea that each of these shapes have functions, but I don't know what they are. But... That immediately uh, immediately is no longer important because I suddenly realize, at this moment, I'm, I'm in a God dream. I realize this at this moment in the dream. I don't normally know when I'm dreaming in my dreams. And I get super excited. I start screaming in joy, God, is this a prophecy dream? And I say that three times. Is this a prophecy dream? Is this a prophecy dream? I shout it joyously. I'm excited. I want to know. And as I turn around, I look at the woman and the young man. And this is kind of hard to explain too. But they start, they start to change. They start to glow. And they start to smile at me. And I know, I, st- I understand, they are happy because I have figured it out. They know they're part of this dream. They know that this is a God dream. And they are happy that I'm starting to realize it too. And I'm incredibly happy because I'm discovering this. I turn around to look at the stairwell. And now that I know that this is the truth, that this is a God dream, I just start chanting once again three times. I remember this specifically three times I love Yahweh. I love Yahweh. I love Yahweh. I chant it 3 times and as I'm doing that the stairwell begins to glow bright and white until I'm bathed in whiteness. Now, I at this point I am awake. My eyes are still closed because I refuse to open them for several moments because I'm wanting to make sure that the dream is actually over. Before I open my eyes, I say it this time on purpose. Cause I'm awake now. I say it three more times. I love Yahweh. I love Yahweh. I love Yahweh. I open my eyes and I'm excited because I now go get to talk to God about what. What does that mean? What does any of that mean? <laughs> you know. Now, at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I don't care if people want to help me decipher this dream, but. God and I have already discussed it. And what was discussed, I do believe there are some elements of this that were meant just for me and him to know. But I did realize something interesting. It, uh, it, it, uh, It helps me cement what I've been trying to say all along. Distractions. The YouTube video that I was watching was a Christian video, Um, It was uh, a gentleman uh, who is a minister, and he does uh, prophecy stuff. He talks about prophecy, um, and he relates it to what's going on in the world at this point, uh, stuff that's going on in the news. So not anything terrible by any means. But this just goes to show that God is trying to talk to us. And I honestly think if I hadn't paused that YouTube video— if that had been going on, I don't think I would have had this dream. Because even though I was asleep, there was still a distraction around me. My surroundings were not quiet. It was not open and inviting for the Spirit to come in and talk to me. So I, th- I, I hope that helps you understand uh, one of the first steps we need to take to hear the voice of God. It really is about those distractions and about creating the right the right setting so the Spirit can get in and really talk with you. Now, I'm going to admit to you, I've wrestled pretty much all day with if I was going to share this dream or not. It's not easy for me to put myself out there and share my experiences. I am by nature an emotional creature, and I sure as heck will tell you my emotions about things, but a lifetime of being hurt and hurting others does make me guarded sometimes. In this case, though, with God's help, I realized this dream was given in love to me, and love should be shared. And I also hope that it might help others who potentially could be struggling with hearing the voice of God. Okay, <laughs> that's that was uh, what I basically got from the word "heard." <laughs> Um, the next thing that caught my attention is that John states that he heard from behind. So John is in the spirit facing one direction, and then from behind he heard something. I investigated the word behind, and it's Strong's Concordance 3694 apiso. And it means back, behind, after. Its usage behind, after, back, backwards. It means what you think it means, behind and back. It also means backwards, and that got me thinking about going backwards in time. Remember, John has not physically seen his best friend for many decades at this point. I am sure John was familiar with the voice of God, but Jesus, Jesus physically ascended long ago at this point this amazing man that was in John's life that John loved, this amazing person who no doubt John thought about all the time. He probably remembered with great love and happiness the time they spent together. After Jesus ascended, John would go through terrible tribulations or pressure, as we learned last time, so much pain. The days of being with Jesus probably felt like forever ago, a lifetime ago. I was wondering if I was onto something or if I was just putting my own impressions on what was going on here, and then I heard God talking to me in two ways. One, the Passion Translation has a note here that says, A voice behind us can be that which speaks about our past, about all that God has already done for us.
1: Can I mention something on that note? Absolutely. Um, You've mentioned this before in other podcasts where uh, God... Put Moses on the cliff and and he didn't show him his face but he showed him his back yes I've heard people say that uh, they believe and I'm not not sure if this is accurate but it, it it does resonate with me that is when God showed him the creation of the world because Moses wrote the Torah so Moses wrote Genesis and Adam and Eve and all that. And when when it says God showed him his back, he showed him his he showed him the past. He showed him the creation of the world. And so that's how Moses wrote uh the, the from the beginning of the world on is God showed him the whole story. That's cool. So I just you're talking about it here, the back representing the past, back in time. That, that just, I, it, I remember that when you are talking about that. It's something else along those lines.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, we know that Scripture was divinely written, and I firmly believe that Moses wrote those books, no matter what anyone else might try to say. But uh, And you know that in order to write them divinely and correctly, he would have had to have seen what was going on. He'd have to have knowledge of it. That's a that that's a cool connection. I like that. Now, so the the passion translation, uh, like I said, it has a note. Um, a voice behind us can be that which speaks about our past, about all that God has already done for us. The next thing here that, uh, once again, emotional for me. Sorry, I don't mean to be bawling on these podcasts but (laughs) (laughs) this is this is this is what a relationship is uh a relationship with god is awesome and amazing and wonderful and and humorous and crazy and and emotional and and it's it's pain and it's it's uh you know uh, hurt it's it's crying it's it's just think of any relationship you've ever been in. You know, there's there's all of that. But with God, it's even more because he's God. There's always bigger and better with God. But anyway, um, I already mentioned uh, the ballads of the Revelation. Now, in the movie, they have a song called Reunion on Patmos. YouTube it or Google it if you are so inclined, but the fact that I stumbled upon this during this week that I was doing this part of the study. And the way they shot this scene had me in tears. And for just a and and good tears, good tears. Uh, the tears earlier were also good, but they were also sad because I came to a conclusion. But uh, happy tears. For just a moment, watching this, I was overcome with such strong emotions. They felt like mine, but... They also didn't feel like mine, which I'm sorry, I don't have a better way of explaining that. I hope it makes sense. But I told you at the beginning of this podcast that I felt like I had been drifting away a little, but now I was totally emotionally involved and I was overcome with such a strong truth. I miss him so much. I miss Jesus and I do not want to be away from him, not for a moment. Some of the lyrics from this reunion on Patmos song that really stood out to me. The one I knew as Savior, I now beheld as Lord. Oh, I've missed him so. Oh, I've missed him so. And I've been yearning for years now, yearning to be near to my friend again, as in my memories of Galilee. Oh, I've missed him so. I, I, I miss him. If I try to drift away even for a moment, I miss him. And that's the that that's when I said this study was more for me. That's kind of what I had to come across. I had to come back to that to that I, to that understanding. I don't want to drift away from him. I miss him. Now that's something incredibly personal in my relationship with Christ, and I pray that anyone who listens understands that I share this because I love him and I so desperately want others to love him too and to share the truth that he loves you so much more than even you could possibly love him. But let's get back to this word behind. Like I said, I like the Passion Translation note with its simple truth. When we look back in time, we should contemplate all that God has done for us and take comfort in all that he will do for us. Yahweh's name. He, he, you know, he, he was, he is, and he will be. He's in every aspect of our understanding of time. He's with you now. He was with you at the beginning, and he will be with you through anything. I find it interesting that John says the voice behind is great. So I wanted to investigate the word great. The word great that's used here. And the Greek word did not give me much. It meant great and large. I believe that great used here in this verse is really meaning to express loudness and power. I decided to check out the Hebrew for the word great, and I made one small connection, but I kind of liked it, so I went ahead and added it to my notes. It's Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, 1419. It's gadol. And the word means Great. But the origin of this word is Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, one four, three one, and it's gadal, about the same, and the definition of that is to grow up, become great. So the definition of this word states to grow up and become great. Here is what I was thinking. Scripture tells us about Jesus on earth, and just a few points in his life, baby brief story of him at 12, and then, of course, his ministry. Within a few pages, you watch him grow up and become great and greater. Jesus, of course, becomes the greatest of all of us. John has heard the great voice, but in the next verse, he will see Jesus in all his glory. And I would argue that great is not good enough a word to describe him. He is so beyond great. But as I have mentioned before, this is something I struggle with. No words that I know will ever be awesome enough to describe this amazing God we have. And additionally, I like this definition of great for just any of us, any of us Christians. As we grow in our relationship with God, we can become great because he is great. Okay, I'm excited for this next bit. The great voice as a trumpet i looked into the greek for the word trumpet used here but i also know that in the old testament this would be a shofar so i looked that up too and i'm excited to talk about this first the word trumpet it's strong's concordance four five three six south i believe and its usage is a trumpet the sound of a trumpet but i found this interesting Properly, a war trumpet that boldly announces God's victory, the vanquishing of his enemies. In the Old Testament, trumpets were used to call God's people to war and to announce victory wrought by him. That is, a military call that proclaimed the Lord inspired and empowered the victory on behalf of his people. It also says, the trumpet was the signal employed to call the hosts of Israel to march Trumpets in the Old Testament summoned God's saints for his righteous wars. I don't understand completely why I love this other than uh, maybe the adventurous side of me, the, the, the guy who, who daydreamed about being an action hero. But something about the idea of being called to battle for the Lord, oh, it feels good to me. I was never in the military, but I've always appreciated the idea of soldiers. The discipline, the bravery, knowing your purpose is simply following the commands to complete tasks beyond just any one person. But now how much better would that be if you were God's soldier and following His commands? His perfect commands. Imagine following His orders into battle and knowing that the God of the universe is commanding you and he's the commander of angel armies and they fight with you and for you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh adventure side of me. That's the, the uh, that that's but Scott, you've used being a soldier as an example before too. I mean, it's there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Um the discipline, the training, the uh
1: you know the the focus, the dedication, the, the yeah, the, I think discipline's the best word you can use when, at least for me, thinking of a soldier. Um, when when I think of a servant, you know, I'm I'm following God's plan, but there's no war around. It's it's like building, cleaning. You think of. Uh, you think of domestic uh situations uh a uh, soldiers much the same, just in a hostile environment, yeah, and the cool thing <laughs> is we get to be both
0: of those though mm-hmm. and being a servant does have its um does have its privileges too, I mean. Ultimately, we should be striving for peaceful situations, but there is a part of the human part of me that likes the idea of action and adventure and <laughs> and and well, yeah. hostile situations. And but ultimately, being a servant, <laughs> um, especially for God, is probably a, a better goal. But
1: well, I think right now that we're to be all of it. Right. I mean, we're supposed to be his servant. We're supposed to be his soldier. We're supposed to be his friend, his child, his. His bride, we're—it's it, all one and the same together. They're—they're they're different elements, separated f- for the ease of our understanding. But we're not supposed to be one and only one. We're supposed to be all of them. But you're right. I do think the day is coming when we will beat our swords into plowshares, and there will be no need for soldiers anymore. Right. But at, at present time, yeah, the sol- so so eventually I think you're right. The 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 time is coming when the soldier will no longer be needed. But that's what that's kinda why I connect servant and soldier. I think they're essentially one and the same in that you're following the voice of your leader and his perfect plan. It just kind of depends on what that plan is at the moment are you are you planning uh, against an invasion and an enemy or are you just simply decorating your home preparing supper uh the situation is different but the the two jobs are essentially the same right does that make sense
0: no it makes total sense okay i want to look at chauffeur it's Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, seven seven eight two. Uh, it's shofar, and it's a horn, and it says for blowing. Because what else are you going to use a horn for? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a horn for cooking? <laughs> what? Um, but its usage is uh, a ram's horn, trumpet, horn, all of those kind of things. It's made from a ram horn. These horns blast a powerful and haunting tune. I highly recommend, if you have never heard one of them, Google chauffeur, S H O F A R, and listen to one. Now, I noticed that the origin for this word chauffeur is Strong Concordance 8231, and the definition of that has nothing to do with horns. It just says to be beautiful. It's shafar, to be beautiful. And I would agree, the look and sound of a chauffeur are beautiful. I couldn't imagine being in an army and hearing that battle cry, that 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 call to action. Uh, they they still make these in Israel today, and and I know that they put a lot of care into their production. I I looked into chauffeurs a long time ago, and in fact, I actually have one uh, in my wish list on uh, Amazon, and I hope to purchase it someday, <laughs> but uh, um, but I'm just realizing uh, the time, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed up here a little bit. Before I am done with this study, I really want people to understand that this voice being described as a trumpet or a chauffeur, then this means this great voice is loud, and it has purpose, and it's haunting, and it's beautiful, Later, the voice is also described as many waters. Think about rushing waters and massive waterfalls, loud and powerful. It is demanding John's attention, but also it is demanding your attention and my attention. Do not just read the next verses. Let them be loud and powerful, and remember they come with purpose. The trumpets are calling you to battle, Let me read verse 9 and 10. We will, I'm sorry, sorry, not 9 and 10. We're going to read verse 10 and 11. We'll get into verse uh, 11 uh, next time, but for now, just absorb this. This time it's from the ISR translation. I came to be in the Spirit on the day of Yahweh, and I heard behind me a loud voice as as of a trumpet saying, I am the the Aleph and the Tav, the first and the last. And write in a book what you see and send it to the seven assemblies of Asia, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamos and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. It's loud. It's powerful. It's calling your attention. Now, it's funny how these studies work out. I was once again not imagining this verse to hit me with so much stuff. But even more specifically, so much emotional stuff. But the way the world has been hitting me lately and the way that God has been moving in my life lately, I now, typing this note this week, this a week later, I feel really embarrassed that I had to admit I felt like I was drifting away. I may have been in a bad place trying to understand the violence, the anger, the fraud, the deceptions going on in this world. But the thing is, not one of those things matter because they are of the world. God is the same day after day, and he is what matters, and he is in control. I felt like I was drifting away, but God has called me by name. And I am so thankful that he called me out and reminded me of that truth this week. As always, this has been Brad unless you have any comments.
1: <laughs> no, no. Um, no, this has been a good one. Uh, so I've been quiet for a lot of it because I didn't want to interrupt. I, just, I was just absorbing uh, where you were going. So um, you've already stated your part, so I'll say, and this has been Scott, and this has been Not About Us.